Welcome to Beauty 4.0, a podcast by Cosmetics Design Europe, brainstorming opportunities in tech and cutting-edge innovation for an industry that can thrive. In this very first episode, we speak with Dr. Emma Meredith, Director General of the UK's Cosmetic Toiletry and Perfumery Association, the CTPA, about some of the biggest issues industry has faced in 2020 and how opportunities and challenges are shaping up for the year ahead. Get ready for a deep dive on COVID-19, Brexit, the European Green Deal and much more. So thanks so much for joining us today, Emma. Oh, thank you ever so much, Casey, for inviting me. And uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Kicking things off, the UK, like other areas of the globe, has faced nationwide lockdowns and business closures during this ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. I'm hoping you can talk me through what sort of immediate impact the crisis has had on the cosmetic, toiletry and perfume industry. Oh, yes. I mean, there have been huge impacts. I mean, some have been positive uh, when the pandemic first struck in the UK and across the EU. Um, cosmetic companies really became a force for good by increasing their production of hand sanitizers and other essential hygiene products. I mean, some companies diverted factory space um, to make hand sanitizers when they didn't traditionally make these um, and gave their products um, away to health institutions. Because of there was an increase in the um, need and demand for hand sanitizers, a shortage of ethanol and other ingredients uh, developed to make the hand sanitizers. So, so to help with this, actually, CTPA set up its COVID Emergency Response Exchange, or SEA, to help match those in need and those who could provide ingredients and packaging and manufacturing capabilities. And that was really successful in the first first few months. We um, we matched over 170 companies. See, that has tailored off now as the industry has got to grips with production and perhaps um, production tailoring off. But SEA is actually open and will remain open until actually there is no longer a need for it. However, the initial lockdown and the subsequent lockdowns that we've had uh, here in the UK and I know elsewhere across Europe, um, where non-essential retail outlets have had to close, has been a huge challenge to companies whose products might not traditionally be sold in supermarkets. Um, Essential retail have stayed open in the UK and I believe um, elsewhere. And um, obviously we had the lockdown started to ease a little bit throughout the summer in the UK. Um, And when non-essential retail outlets were allowed to open, CPA developed um, guidance for testers in store and also a consumer charter setting out best practices that was really aimed to build confidence um, of consumers when those non-essential stores reopened. And also hair and beauty salons and spas have been forced to close and they were only allowed to reopen actually in step three of the first lock here in the UK, which is, I think, behind quite a number of other member states um, um, on the continent. And they've also had to close in various other lockdowns that we've had here recently when actually those businesses were already based on hygiene, huge number of precautions were already in place, use of PPE, which have increased during the, the COVID requirements. And CTPA is a member of the UK Beauty Industry Group, which has been championing salons and the spa sector, not only as a safe um, sector, but also as in- incredibly important for our well-being. That mustn't be underestimated. And then obviously companies, they're adaptable. It's an innovative industry and where they were able to move online, they did. 
Although I don't actually believe that online made up for the loss in footfall in stores, to be honest. And if we fast forward to today, uh, considering everything all types of beauty companies and brands have faced, what is industry facing now today? There are still big challenges. I mean, we've been looking at companies who monitor markets. That's not something CTPA does, but obviously there are a huge number of those out there. And, and actually, they've been predicting a 20% decrease in the industry earlier in the year. They've moved around to now about around about the 10% mark. I mean, different sectors have been affected differently, of course. Uh, certainly during the initial lockdown, the use of home hair kits increased as people weren't able to go to um, hair salons, but they still wanted to have that boost by colouring their hair. We understand from IFRA, the International Fragrance Association, that people were using fragrances more uh, as a boost. Obviously, hand sanitizers and hand hygiene products were really important. Um, but we know from um, information that our members gave us at a, of a, a survey we did during lockdown that actually color cosmetics have been hit, um, which is interesting. I'm not quite sure why that be, whether it's about people perhaps working from home more and therefore not using those, whereas traditionally, um, color cosmetics have been almost um, recession-proof you know, with the lipstick effect. So that's been very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the challenges of lockdown and the partial reopening, I mean, you know, it's what the busiest time of the year come in the run-up to Christmas. Um, so there's a huge economic impact on companies as well as the technical, the logistical uh, and human issues. Um, many companies have had to furlough staff, so that's certainly a term we've come to know in the UK, a great initiative by the UK government, Job Retention Scheme but it means that there are fewer people to address the regrowth yeah. that we actually hope will now happen as we've got that really encouraging news about the vaccines. Yeah. So lots of different challenges, yeah. And within all of this, Emma, I'm curious, you've mentioned there you've got the economical financial side of things and the human aspect. In terms of what challenge is sort of at the forefront, is it the, the financial crisis and situation that companies have been left with or is it this consumer engagement and connecting with beauty consumers again? I think it, it, it's both. I mean, we can't, we can't you know, disregard the fact that people have not been able to go out and buy as often as they would want to. Uh, yes, we've had the great opportunity for buying online, and yes, there are a certain number of our products that are available in supermarkets, but you know, it, it's not the same um, environment, and companies will have to deal with that, and we will all have to deal with that. It's not just our industry. All industries are affected. Companies have not been able to open, for example, I know some salons, they haven't been able to open it since March. They have had no income since March. So that is going to be a big challenge. There is also then that you know, anecdotal uh, information that actually while we have been at home, we have been saving more. So perhaps when things are safe to open, there will be that perhaps extra um, disposable income that people will want to perhaps treat themselves and that will be great. I think we will have a challenge with consumer confidence. It's really important that we don't force opening before it is right to do so. We need to make sure that we've got the robust evidence and, and do our risk assessment. But when, when it is safe to open, I think we as an industry and associations in particular will have a really important role in trying to help the consumer regain that confidence. Yeah. 
and and certainly for example with spas and hair and beauty salons you know how important those treatments have traditionally been to helping people feel great about themselves obviously we, we're lacking that at the moment with you know, there are no Christmas parties to go to. There have been no, not many summer holidays. There have been not many, um, unfortunately, not many weddings to go to. So, the, so people have perhaps have got out of the habit of, of going and having these um, treatments, which are a really important boost. So I think it will be, there will be two sides to it. We, we can't disregard either, really. Yeah. Now, uh, we can sort of look back um, at what we've been through so far this year and I'm interested in hearing from you what some of the key learnings have been from this crisis so far for industry and importantly how companies can look to apply these learnings moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, that's a really good question. It's, it, it's so important to take out of this that actually our products were seen as essential. I think that's something that we shouldn't lose sight of. I mean, during lockdown, certainly in the UK and I believe in other countries across Europe, manufacturers of some products for hygiene were seen as key workers, which I think is really um, important. And we should promote the fact that our products are essential for our health, hygiene and well-being. I would say on the downside, it also highlighted that perhaps some people don't realise how important we are as an industry, not just in what we contribute to employment and the economy, but the importance and significance of our products and services. And certainly in the UK, there's been um, a struggle with some MPs to take us seriously. Uh, and this is something that we have to change moving forward. We have to highlight the importance of us as an industry and the importance of our products to people's everyday hygiene uh, processes and their well-being. I think the pandemic, it kind of high, it highlighted how global we are as an industry, which I think is good. But obviously, when the whole world was affected by COVID, then supply chains have been hit. And I think as an industry, we will have to consider that. I mean, I mean God forbid we, we, we go through this or something similar to this in the future, but I think companies will have to look at how their supply chains are organised and, and, and where the critical points and, and how can they try and mitigate for that going forward. Yeah. Um, I think another positive takeaway is that as an industry, we acted really quickly. We are a science-led industry. Uh, we saw the need for hygiene products and hand sanitizers, and companies pivoted to increase production. They listened to their consumers, they listened to the needs and they acted. And I think coming back really a bit to um, the role of trying to help consumers with their confidence that I, that I just mentioned. I think that's really important. And, and you know, as I mentioned, CTPA issued testing guidance and customer charters as examples of how they try to boost a consumer's confidence. And also the National Hair and, and Beauty Federation, it had a do it right campaign for salons. So it was making sure that consumers could see that salons are doing the right thing and making sure that they are putting the safety of their clients, but also their workers first. Yeah. And I think everything you've mentioned there touches on this really important idea that we've seen come forward is collaboration and how well all facets within our industry did collaborate quickly, didn't they? They did. It was it was a really good example of how in adversity great things happen and hopefully we will build on that collaborations between academia, collaborations with breweries and distillers for, for the ethanol at the start for the hand sanitizers. All of these great industries who have um, 
great products on their own came together. So I think it's really important that we will build on those collaborations and those findings uh, as we go forward. We're an innovative industry. We're not going to let something that worked really, really well here, you know, slip, I don't think. Sure, sure. Now, on the the topic of our our podcast series, Beauty 4.0, Emma, I'd like to hear your thoughts on how critical you think beauty technology and innovations in this field will be to industry's future in light of everything we've just discussed here around COVID. And are there any examples that you've seen on the market so far? I mean, there has been a massive and rapid move to digital. I mean, it's helped us carry on as businesses mm. um, in the lockdown. I mean, we've all become experts in online meeting platforms. And I think that's been a really positive thing. We've all had a chance to have a more of a an insight into people's lives when we've been beaming into each other's homes, which has been a real positive, and it's been great to keep in touch in that way. Some of the things that we have seen which have been really helpful is the digital tools for consumers to try products remotely. Yeah. I mean, touch and feel of products is so such an important part of so much of our industry and the product. And, you know, it's a delight for um, a customer to come in and choose something and try it and feel it's right for them. And obviously, we've been robbed of that um, during lockdown. But as an innovative industry, we've had these great tools that have helped consumers try their products when you know, they haven't been able to have that face-to-face experience or beauty counters have been rightly touch-free. I think the switch to e-commerce is very exciting. You know, online delivery, click and collect. Again, adapting quickly to address consumers' needs while keeping them and workers safe. However, I think this does need to come with a note of caution. We really don't want the e-commerce to be seen as an opportunity to sell non-compliant products. You know, we have strict legislation in place and that applies equally to online sales. So I think it's important um, to keep that in mind. Absolutely. Um, And, yeah, the provenance is increasingly important to people and using digital tools to trace the supply chain, I think, will become uh, really important and will be welcomed both by consumers and by the industry. The environmental impact of production and supply chain is actually one of the pillars of CTPA's sustainability strategy, which is working towards a net positive cosmetics industry. So knowing the impact and the sourcing right along the supply chain um, will be critical and, and t- technology can help enormously with this. So there are a huge number of opportunities. Again, we're an innovative industry. I think, again, tapping into this huge surge and move to tech and digital will be a, um, a really exciting uh, to see for the future. Definitely. Now, you know, we've covered quite uh, a lot of context about COVID. And whilst all of this has been going on, we have been advancing fastly through the transition period for Brexit, another hugely significant issue for the beauty and personal care industry in the UK, but also Europe and worldwide. So broadly speaking, how prepared is industry for Brexit, Emma? Because we're we're getting really close now to, to the closure time, you know, January 1st, 2021 will look different for many companies. It will indeed, it will indeed, and at risk of planting an earworm into your listeners' uh, minds, we're in the final countdown, for those who can remember the 80s band Europe, Um, but CTPA hasn't taken its eye off this, I mean, we've been preparing members and the industry with webinars and information on our public website from the day after the EU referendum, but obviously, since we, I mean, the UK has left 
the EU. We're working through the transition period, and that's what will end on the 31st of December. But I think what's critical is that, and you're right to say, you know, Brexit isn't just a UK issue. This will be, affect companies wanting to, I hope they will want to continue to market and uh, place their products onto the UK market from next year. The UK certainly will want to continue marketing in our um, EU27 neighbours. But there are critical things that companies have to do and should be doing, irrespective of whether we leave with a free trade agreement on or WTO rules. Yeah. So companies need to be looking, have they got a responsible person set up both in the UK and the EU? They need to be preparing for notification in the UK. The government has developed a notification portal, portal that reflects the CPNP. That does not go live until the 1st of January but companies can be preparing by downloading XMLs of their CPNP notifications so they can upload them when that portal goes live. Companies need to be looking at their supply chain. They need to be looking at their transport. There will be frictions at the border um, from the 1st of January. Some companies, it will be the first time that they will have to sort out customs because, of course, we've had free movement. Yeah. So there are things that companies do need to need to be addressing and can be addressing in these last days of 2020. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's fair to say that some companies, and especially SMEs, they, they may not have a lot of resource to dedicate to Brexit mm-hmm. preparedness. I mean, this has obviously been compounded by the impact um, on COVID. Definitely. Um, you yeah. know, many companies have just had to focus on survival um, with the various restrictions. Um, so I think compliance will be a challenge. Um, publicly available guidance and information is not available yet. Obviously, CTPA has been providing guidance. There's a wealth of information um, on our public website uh, and obviously providing it for our members. Yeah. There are no consolidated versions of the statutory instruments applicable to cosmetic products, so it's quite difficult to read and understand them. And obviously, as we said, quite a lot of companies' resources will have been cut or put on furloughed over during COVID and um, you know, causing more delays in preparing for Brexit. So I think there are things that companies can be doing now, and I would urge um, your listeners at companies there that if they haven't started preparing, go onto the CTPA public website. Um, there, there's a section there that will help you through that. Um, but it is fair to say that um, it won't be frictionless for, from the 1st of, of January. Sure, sure. And we've also put together some informative pieces on the type of regulation that the industry needs to look at on Cosmetics Design Europe as well, and we'll continue to do so um, as the months progress. Um, Now, taking a slight step back then, Emma, would you say that there are any key focus areas that need to be looked at particularly closely by the beauty and personal care industry today uh, as we approach the end of 2020? I think building back sustainably will be critical. If we take a positive out of COVID, and I think we should, um, then you know, most companies have been affected. And I think when rebuilding, ensuring that environmental and sustainable considerations are built in will be um, an imperative. You yeah. hear a lot of people talking about moving from CSR to ESG, so environmental, social and governance. And so I think sustainability will be at the heart of the recovery plan for the industry. You know, CTPA has its ambitious sustainability strategy and, and we'll certainly be incorporating and helping our members incorporate the innovations and the lessons from this crisis going forward. 
Yeah, and, and that all plays very clearly into the European Green Deal, doesn't it? Um, how will that affect uh, the UK's beauty industry post-Brexit, post-COVID? What does industry need to consider when looking at the European Green Deal, Emma? Oh, yeah, the, the Green Deal, it's embedded into nearly all of the future actions of the Commission, the Council and the Parliament. So the, the cosmetics industry across you know, Europe and the UK will absolutely be affected by the Green Deal. And obviously, we welcome its aims. As I said, CTPA has its driving towards a net positive uh, sustainability strategy. Cosmetics Europe is the European Personal Care Association. It's prioritising its work on this. And we'll certainly be working as an industry to reach the key targets set out by the Green Deal, especially with regards to the carbon reduction and then being carbon zero by 2050. But I think for me, it's important that any action is based on sound science. So yes, we will be affected. Yes, sustainability, the climate, the environment has to be a focus for us. But I will say I do have some concerns about certain aspects of one part of the uh, Green Deal, which is the chemical strategy for sustainability, which has um, recently been announced. You know, it's really important to have a strategy for chemicals, of course, but I, it's important that strategy is rooted in scientific knowledge and assesses the key risks to be addressed. Yeah. Um, the, the cosmetics regulation is based on risk. We have that really strict risk assessment, the safety assessment, knowing how um, all of our ingredients are used during the use of the cosmetic product. Whereas the, this new strategy, it proposes to ban chemicals based on their hazard properties yeah. rather than understanding how they're used in specific situations and whether that use poses a risk. And also something which have a major concern about is that the strategy also intends to treat chemicals and products differently based on whether they are essential for society or not. And currently, consumer products are not considered to be essential by the strategy. For me, Mm. that's incredibly disappointing. What's classed as essential is really personal. And we've already mentioned how cosmetic products and personal care products were classed as essential during the COVID crisis. So I think if the basis on which chemicals are assessed for safety is changed from our strict requirements, and let's not forget, we already have current strict requirements in place. And I think we risk you know, not being able to buy some of the cosmetic and personal care products we love and find essential for our daily routines, um, even though we've got strict processes in place and they've been shown to be safe, without there necessarily being a positive impact on the environment. Yes, of course, we have to focus on climate, our future, the environment. And it's really important that the UK is co-hosting with Italy COP26 in November. But we have to take action based on the science, I think. Yeah, and, and, and that science-driven approach, Emma, um, you uh, are members of the CTPA Industry Cosmetics Europe, you're working very closely with government and regulatory bodies, aren't you, on ensuring that there's a science-driven approach put forward? We are, definitely. I mean, Cosmetics Europe is formulating its strategy. It engages with the Commission, certainly in the UK, obviously, when um, and CTPA is and will remain a member of Cosmetics Europe, which we're incredibly proud of. In the UK, obviously, from January, we will be setting our own chemical strategy and we are talking with um, the UK authorities. We're part of the working groups to try and develop these new 
chemical strategies for the UK going forward. And actually, we are quite heartened that the UK has, has said it wants to make sure that it is basing its future chemical strategy on risk-based approaches. So that's really positive, we feel. Yeah, it sounds promising, certainly. Mm-hmm. And how important will technology be in integrating this sustainable future approach for beauty brands and manufacturers and even suppliers? very important. We've already spoken about um, the the digital um, explosion and we've also spoken about using technology to know more about our supply chain and monitoring its source. Another part which it's not specifically about sustainability but it is actually often discussed alongside and it is actually mentioned as part of the um, Green Deal. It's about transparency and consumers wanting to know more of what's in their products and what their ingredients are for. I know there are several apps available that rank ingredients and the products that contain them, but again, this tends to be on hazard properties, not how they're used in products, and perhaps perpetuating the negativity about our safe ingredients. But several um, associations, such as in Germany and France, they've actually launched their own apps that provide specific information about ingredients. There's a huge database of ingredients, but just provide factual information, what the ingredients do, how they're used safely. So I think that's a really important part going forward. We also um, are likely to have more information digitally rather than perhaps on pack or in addition to on pack, our ingredients yes. uh, list. So there are huge opportunities to use technology to our advantage, and I think we'll see more of that. It'll be really exciting to see how companies use these digital tools going forward. Definitely. And I think there's two sides that we're seeing here. Um, We are seeing the beauty brands and manufacturers themselves presenting information digitally on their sustainability uh, supply chains and and things like that. But we've also got this big movement of um, non-profits and NGOs also creating, like you say, sort of scannable apps and things like that. Do you see in the future that these will have to come together? Uh, You mentioned there that perhaps out of industry lacks a bit of context, but I also know that when it's done by industry, there can sometimes be mistrust on the consumer side. Will it be about bringing these together? I think in an ideal world, that would be fantastic. And I think then, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate as industry, we're very often accused of being biased. Well, you would say that, wouldn't you? When we're actually we're just trying to provide the information, you know, in a factual format so consumers, you know, see both sides and take uh, the, the decisions that they want to take. Yeah. I think, you know, working with NGOs, working with these organisations, I think that's only to be encouraged. Yeah. Okay, well, we're coming close to to the end of our our time here, Emma, but um, I think we'd be great to close on finding out what the future holds and some of the key opportunities that you see ahead for 2021. You know, 2020 has certainly been, for want of a better word, turbulent for industry. Um, How can companies re-stimulate growth and gain ground going into next year? Well, yes, it has certainly been an interesting year, hasn't it, 2020? Um, and, and it seems to have gone by very quickly, considering we spent quite a lot of it locked down. Um, it but, pri- <laughs> but primarily, um, I think allowing the industry to reopen when it is safe to do so, looking at the risks and the protective measures that have been put in place. I think tapping into new ways to do business, the online sales, the click and collect, responding to consumers' needs, 
But then, you know, when it is safe to return to the shop, I think it's great to be able to buy online and that is a great future tool. But you, you can never make up for going into a shop and buying something. And so I think when we are ready to do that, helping the consumers have the confidence in the safe practices that have been put in place, and whether that's in the shops or in salons or in spas. Yeah. Um, I think we've spoken a lot about uh, the environment and sustainability, and rightly so. So minimizing the environmental impact of our products will be crucial, innovating, but in a responsible and sustainable way. And I think learning from, you know, how as an industry we were agile when we faced the lockdown challenges and the effects of the pandemic, unfortunately, will be long term. So I think meeting our consumers' self-care and well-being needs will be so important. And I think that is an opportunity and it's also a really positive action as we are about to turn the corner into 2021. Yeah. Well, look, let's hope that the rest of industry and all the listeners can can use this podcast as a time to take stock as well of what's happened this year so far, but also what can happen next year. I hope so too, yes. And I think, obviously, it, it's been such a difficult year for, for everyone. And, I, and obviously, I hope that 2021 is, um, is a much uh, happier, healthier and um, more successful year for, for everyone. And I think as well that we need to take into consideration what the effects of this has have on our mental health and well-being. And I think um, there will be more opportunities and more openness to be able to talk about that and make sure that we put that to the forefront as well. So important. Absolutely. Well, look, thanks so much for your insight, Emma. It's been a pleasure talking to you. It's been a pleasure talking with you as well, Casey. Thanks very much. And all the, all the very best to you and to your um, listeners. Well, that's all from us at Beauty 4.0, a podcast by Cosmetics Design Europe, bringing you everything you need to know about tech and innovation advances in the field.